Welcome to the Tex-Ags Maroon and White Report, an hour-long Aggie football show heard weekly on the CRM Sports Network in this station. I'm your host, Gabe Bach. We close the book on the 2019 regular football season with a long look back at A&M's 50-7 loss at LSU on Saturday night in Death Valley. This was a 60-minute throttling at the hands of the Bayou Bengals, who gained 553 yards and scored touchdowns on their first four possessions. They had scoring drives on their first five possessions of the game. A&M, meanwhile, limited to just one score in the game and accumulated 169 total yards in the football game. And while you think 169 yards, that seems pretty low. Like, when's the last time A&M gained that few of yards? It's actually the fewest yards gained by A&M in a single game since the 77-0 loss at Oklahoma in 2003. This was about as one-sided as it gets. 50-7, to and LSU called the dogs off very early in the fourth quarter. Coming up in the program, we're going to break down that loss to LSU. We'll also run down the six big games on championship weekend in college football and much more. We're joined by Tex-Ags columnist Cole, uh, Olin Buchanan next, along with Cole Kublik of the SEC Network and Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio. All that and more next on the Tex-Ags Maroon and White Report, CRM Sports Network. All across Texas and beyond, people are buying from Tom Light Chevrolet. Why? Because we constantly challenge ourselves to give you unrivaled savings. With the most competitive internet pricing available, there's no need to drive all over the map for the best closeout deals of the year. Tom Light Chevrolet has the largest selection of Silverados, Cruises, Corvettes, and Camaros in the Brazos Valley. You want more for your trade? Come in and get a free cash offer on your old car with no obligation to buy. Tom White Chevrolet is your official Auto Trader trade-in marketplace dealership. Feel free to walk away with cash or use it as a down payment on your new Chevy. Because we know that when you see these amazing closeout prices, you'll never want to shop anywhere else. That's why since 1972, all roads lead to Tom Light Chevrolet. Come and see our team at North Earl Rudder Freeway in Bryant or shop us online all the time at TomLight.com. Chevy, find new roads. Well, look who's home. How was your day, hon? Uh, you know, stressful, exhausting. Lay down on me and we'll talk about it. Oh, purple mattress. You know how to support me. Hey, I'm just a mattress doing my job. You're more than that. You're a purple mattress. Who cares about a bed with numbers when I have your purple grid to comfort my body's pressure points? And forget memory foam. Your non-toxic, hyper-elastic polymer minimizes heat, keeping me cool and comfortable the whole night through. If you're happy, I'm happy. But you do have up to 100 days to return me for a full refund. And give up the best night's sleep I've had since I learned to walk? No way. You're the only one I want to come home to. Purple Mattress. You too can come home to a Purple Mattress by texting OFFER to 84888. And now for a limited time, receive a free Purple product with your order when you text OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Please do not text and drive. See purple.com for terms and conditions. Message and data rates may apply. TNC and privacy terms can be found at babbel.com slash terms. Please don't text and drive. Have you wanted to speak a new language, but you thought it'd be too hard or take too much time? Then try Babbel for free by texting WORLD to 64000. In just 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. And right now, you can try Babbel for free. Babbel starts out teaching you words and phrases by matching them with pictures. You won't believe how easy the interactive program is. Soon the sentences get a little bigger, and before you know it, you're having simulated conversations voiced by native speakers. And because Babbel is crafted by language experts and uses the spaced repetition method, in just 10 to 15 minutes a day, you'll be speaking the language of your choice with real confidence. With Babbel, you can speak a language. Just text WORLD to 64000 and start your first lesson in the language of your choice for free. Download the Babbel app or text WORLD to 64000 and try it for free. Text W-O-R-L-D to 64000. Hi, Gabe Bach here from Texags Radio. And if you're not currently a premium or varsity level subscriber to Texags.com, what are you waiting for? Texags.com is the inside source for all things Aggie sports, the leaders in breaking news coverage, in-depth analysis, recruiting scoop, and more. Whether it's exclusive long-form interviews with Aggie players and coaches or inside on the next big recruit on his way to Aggieland, nobody covers A&M like Texags. Jump on board now and don't miss out on the very best in A&M sports coverage. It's Texags.com.
Welcome back. Gabe Bach with you on the Tex-Ags Maroon and White Report on the CRM Sports Network. We're joined right now. Looking back on the loss to LSU 50-7 to Saturday night in Death Valley, we're joined right now by a guy who sat through that next to me in the press box in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, our columnist, Mr. Ellen Buchanan, with us. If A&M had, had not been caught off guard, had they been fully prepared for the obvious that LSU was looking for a fist fight, it wouldn't have mattered because LSU, the Tigers, they're bigger, they're faster, they're meaner, they're tougher. They got more program momentum right now. They had more to play for. And you wondered, would they be too amped up, Obi? Would they be nervous? Would they have so much on the line? But no, they didn't. How, how would they respond? And they responded in the worst possible way if you're a fan of the maroon and white. You could see the difference on the very first drive that it was going to be a long night in Baton Rouge. Well, this if you're a Game of Thrones fan, if you watch them, this was the Red Wedding. Ugh. So, uh, you know, again, the so team caught... I'm not a Game of Thrones fan, so what happens after that? Yeah, That's what was, I want to know. Uh, it was a massacre, but they got revenge later. Okay. Okay, okay but good. the Red Wedding itself was a massacre. Yeah. And, um, you know, the first we're looking at the first play right yeah. now, and the first play is a... Uh, you know, the Aggies play it pretty well, but then there's a, a horse collar penalty, mm-hmm. and it went downhill from there. And yeah. um, I would call that my crossroads moving storage move of the game. I mean, right from the very first play, you're, it set the tone for the entire night, I thought, with a horse collar. I thought that A&M was going to have a, a lot of trouble uh, against the LSU offense, and they did. I think everyone thought that that LSU offense is a juggernaut right now, oh, yeah. and they've got everything going. Uh, what I was surprised to some degree – was that the A&M offense couldn't get anything going. Uh, that's This has been a vulnerable LSU defense at times, but that, that looked like a vintage for that game. It looked like sure a did. vintage defense. And again, I think that you saw what happens when you have a good team that's angry. Um, I don't think they'll play with as much intensity on Saturday in, in, in the SEC championship game as they played against A&M. They oh, felt like they had yeah. a score to settle, whether – that you know whether right or not about feeling like they got hosed again uh, uh, at Kyle Field last year, whether right or not, perceptions reality. They right? felt like they had been, and right. they went in with a score to settle, and uh, uh, and they settled it. Yeah, and again, I don't think I don't think A and M was going to match up talent wise anyway, but I felt like A and M needed to match up intensity wise, and I think A and M felt in that regard as well. Yeah, you start sitting here trying to think about pulling out some positives here. Justin Matabike played his butt off. Justin uh, Marvin Leal made some plays, and Anthony Hines made some plays, and Leon made some plays. But overall, it was just a, a complete thrashing. We're not going to sit up here and try to put lipstick on it. I mean, it's one of those, if you're Jimbo Fisher, and I know he's doing this right now way more than all of us are, is questioning everything. Every job, everything, every position – going into next season because this showed you how far A&M is for compete for championships and it's already been 21 years OB 21 years for for any championship and it's going to be longer than that if they don't fix some holes in the offensive line and in the secondary you know we there there was some talk recently about how much progress the secondary's made and I just kept saying you know they're doing that against freshman quarterbacks who haven't played and they've been giving up some long passes where guys just missed you know, the quarterbacks just missed the open receivers. We said well, Burrow Joe Burrow's yeah. completing 80%. He doesn't miss. No. And and those wide-open guys, you know, that, that turned into touchdowns. And quite frankly, um, until A&M gets some, uh, some higher-caliber cornerbacks, um, they're going to have a hard time, and, and, and better in the offensive line, they're going to have a hard time uh, beating championship-caliber teams. It showed it. It was abundantly clear the deficiencies, and it has been from the from the first quarter of the first game. We sat up there in the press box and talked about. I don't know about this offensive line. Well, they were twisting and doing some interesting things, but they're Texas State, and they, and it's been a problem for the most part all season long. And that just could that rubber stamped it even more. We already knew what we already knew. We saw loud and clear that you can't just trot out that same offensive front next year. Prater's leaving. Nobody else is. You can't you can't trot that out and expect to win a bunch of games and compete for championships next season. It, this game also showed us what we already knew. Cornerback is every bit the issue. Offensive line is. They they're old. That means nothing. Those guys. You couldn't play the position worse 
than one of those two, and I don't want to call them out individually, but than one of those two guys did on Saturday. You couldn't play it worse. If you tried, you couldn't play it any worse than that. And and then outside of that, you got it. Also showed me how far A and M's receivers are to being great. They're good, but they they lack a major speed element. You want to see what pro receivers look like? Go look on the other side. Dustin people, and then even when they were covered and mauled and PI'd, still come up with touchdown catches. Yeah, um, I think, um, and the quarterback's also not out of the realm of blame either. No, no, but when you're sacked five times and you're officially counted as hurried five times, um, Kellen did not play well. Right. Uh, but you know, look, you you have to provide protection for almost any quarterback. We would think that Johnny Manziel could probably handle it. He would have struggled in Cleveland, on Saturday, right? And and quite frankly, he never had to worry about that kind of pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I'll just say this: most quarterbacks are going to struggle when they're under the kind of onslaught. And it wasn't a rush; it was an onslaught mm-hmm. uh, that that Mon was under. So don't want to make excuses for him. He could have played yeah. better. He could have run more. And sure I can remember there's one. And this is the thing. I think Kellen's a really good quarterback, but this is the thing that's going to – I'll beat my head against a wall dealing with Kellen, is that there was a play I remember. I can't remember if it was in the second or third quarter where he eludes the rush, and he's running to his left, and it opens up. There's 10 yards. He, he can run for a first down, and he's doing what a lot of coaches coach a quarterback to do. He's still looking downfield to throw. So he throws – to the sideline, a very low percentage pass. It's over, and his receiver was well covered, and the, the ball is incomplete, and you punt. And I can remember he doesn't do it often, but I remember Joe Burrow getting under pressure, eluding the rush, and he goes down, and not only gets the first down, but he fought his way through a tackle. One that same corner you're talking about fought his mm-hmm. way through a tackle and got some more extra yards. Yep. You gotta take the damn layups when they're there. There were a lot of layups that were there that weren't taken and, and have been through the course of the season. And when was A&M actually rolling a little bit for their standards offensively? When, in those few games against weaker competition when the run game was fueled by the quarterback's legs. And, and I think that you know they never want it. It appears to me the plan has never been to use him in the run game too much, for, I guess, for fear he gets hurt. And I understand that. But – that's one of the things, you know, there's no point in having a dual threat quarterback if you're not going to use the running part of the threat because then you're not a dual threat. You're, you're a pocket passer, mm-hmm. and he's good at that. But, you know, get the whole the whole package. You know, we've talked before that Dan Mullen, who's such a good developer of quarterbacks, and when they made when he made uh, Felipe Franks look like a pretty good one, you know, the, the talk was that he told him, look, take the – if they're going to give you the 10-yard run, go take it. And, exactly right. And uh, – yep. You know, there are times. There are times when it's been there, and and Kellen should take it. But uh, but again, he was he was under constant pressure too. So we'll have more with Owen Buchanan next on the Texas Maroon and White Report, CRM Sports Network. Welcome back. Gabe Bach once again with Olin Buchanan in studio here on the Tex-Ags Maroon and White Report, CRM Sports Network, tackling the big questions. And there are a lot of big questions when you lose a game like that. You go 7-5 and five and you know, you're a good and solid program, but Jimbo was brought here and his desire and everyone's desire is for this program to be great. So how do you get to be great? There are a lot of big questions that we can't answer right now, but that Jimbo and company and his staff are facing during the offseason in an effort to elevate the program in 2020 and to go from good to great and to take that next step. Let's dive into those questions right now with Olin Buchanan. What do they do to stop being just a pretty good program? Which at AM, with the resources, that's underachieving. Being pretty good and seven, eight win total, that's underachieving. They'd be the first to tell you that. So, what, where do you come when, when I ask that question, what questions come to mind to you? Well, you know, how are you going to fix the offensive line? Question, I know, I know the cornerback one. is an issue, but then I look how Colorado, new quarterback next year. LSU, new quarterback next year. Alabama, new quarterback next year. 
so that cornerback issue has to be addressed. But I because of the teams you face and the transition they may be going through, uh, I think that the uh, offensive line issue is number one. That's the number one question. I think so. I think offensive line and cornerback are your two biggest positional concerns. And I would say corner, even though it doesn't look good, it is uh, probably the easier fix of the two because it, you, you have to assume that you can clean up Elijah Blade's shoulder and get him healthy. Yeah, and then you know, you've know solved or at least addressed half of it. Yeah, they were much better when Elijah Blades was on the field, and then all of a sudden you got – Everybody else battling for one now, spot. Now, the third part of that is how are you going to then boost your pass rush? That, Absolutely. To help the corners because it has to get better. Yes. And can can it get better? I don't know. You know, the question I – the way I posed it, because you're, you're nailing this, we do not talk about this stuff before the game, before the show. <clears throat> but I said that the way I posed it was this. How does A&M get more speed on the field, especially on the perimeter? And you just hit on a lot of those. I mean, barring early exits – A&M's returners, they're going to return every starter at receiver, at corner, and at defensive end. So the edge players, the perimeter guys. At defensive end, I don't see enough speed. Neither do I at wide receiver. Now you're going to have to get some young guys ready to play, right, OB? But that's a huge question mark. And at corner, other than Elijah Blades, I just don't see enough guys being able to hang with top-level receivers. Yeah, well, because of what we've seen. Right. And we're to a point now – not to believe anything we hear. And, and and we too often fall into that, man, Caleb Chapman, look how good he looks. Yeah, he does he does look good. He looks fast, but he didn't play. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh now it's to the point where don't believe anything till you see it with your eyes. And uh uh so, you know, it hurt for three years that, you know, some guy was an NFL caliber corner. And and barely plays. So uh, I'll tell you another one, Michael Clements, the mm, quote unblockable Michael unblockable. Clements. Well, he was pretty blockable throughout the course of this season. So I mean, I thought it, who, who did he play well against? South, South Carolina. Carolina, yeah, and UTSA. Uh, yeah, and and those are the UTSA. Those games are practices, so I don't get too excited about that. South Carolina, okay. Um, now maybe maybe Clemens is finally going to put it all together. You know, maybe Tyree Wilson is a guy that's – we've seen it before. Guys just aren't ready yet and and never write off a guy because of who he is as a freshman or even a sophomore. So maybe yeah. the answers are, are on their team right now. Maybe they are. Maybe Luke Matthews is an answer. You know, maybe – who knows? Maybe swapping Kenyon Green and, and uh, Dan Moore is going to be the answer. You know, who knows? But you got to find those answers and not assume you have them until until the actual game is played. You know, maybe there's somebody that's gonna that's gonna bust out in 2020 the same way Jalen Widemeyer. Yeah. If I was putting a grade on every uh, position group, the only one that I would even consider giving an A, whether there's two I'd consider giving a the defensive tackles mm-hmm. and the tight end, and the tight end still you know, Watermeyer came on blocking and he was the only one, but the tight end and you know, even I'd B have plus. a tough time with that because uh, Beal didn't develop. Yeah, but I mean, did you get the production for that position? Yeah, yes, because of one guy, absolutely. But that that position, my point is that position should get even better. Next yes, year. it should. It should. Watermeyer, you're older, you're wiser. Uh, now you add Cup. But what you say is to potentially get better because, like I just said, to the point now is don't assume anything is true until you actually see it. Mm-hmm. Well, but I'm assuming that Weidermeyer is getting better because I've seen it. I've seen I, enough to know that he should get better. I assume. Better. I am with you. I assume that he will get better. But, you know, everybody in J school, what they tell you about assuming. I know. And uh, uh, I assumed that – Kenyon, I'm, I'm sorry, Carson Green and Dan Moore and uh, uh, Hawker. Hawker were, was going to get better as juniors than they were as uh, sophomores. Mm-hmm. I assume that. I think the, the answer to my number one question is he's got to force feed young guys. They've got to figure out maybe a way 
to quote-unquote dumb down the offense in an effort to speed it up a little bit and and get some of these guys on the field so that it's in, in such a manner to where they're not out there with a big mental block. Because he's proven if you got a mental block out there and you don't know the stuff and your head's spinning a little bit, which it will in the natural offense that they're running, you're not going to play very much. But Devon Demas needs to get on the field. Yeah. Devon Achain needs to get on the field. Anaya Smith needs to get on the field. Mm-hmm. And you've got to increase your level of juice offensively. Otherwise, you're going to be playing in a tiny little 20-yard box. And in the SEC, you're just asking to finish somewhere in the 50 range offensively in the country I, and be I, mediocre. I'm with you on all that. The only thing is, if you took all the Aggies who follow football and half a million to a million and put them all in one group and said, all right, everybody that thinks you need to, quote, as you said, dumb down the offense, raise your hand, and a million come up and say, now everybody that doesn't raise your hand and there's one, oh, it's Jimbo Fisher. All right. You win. <laughs> well, that's the question. Does he think that? Because he'll never tell. Uh, we won't know. He's going to do whatever he thinks is best. Yeah. But uh, even hard-headed Nick Saban had to make a choice. Hard-headed mm-hmm. Coach O had to make a choice. True. Hard-headed Kirby Smart's going to probably have All to make a true. choice. All that is true. Um, there are reasons to feel like that A&M is, is going to continue to get better. This was a transitional year against a historically difficult schedule. And I think had they – I think if, they, if A&M had lost last week 34-17, the whole outlook would be completely different. I agree. I so, agree. That, and that's why I always it say so. no-show so, at the end. So don't, don't um, overreact to anything, but, there's, uh, but based on what we did see over the course of 12 games. More speed has to be. More speed, better blocking. All those things. Yes. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Our thanks to Olin Buchanan. We'll go into trenches with Cole Kublik of the SEC Network next on the Tex Ags Maroon and White Report, CRM Sports Network. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. <coughs> now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. From ooh to aww, whatever reaction you're looking for this holiday, spread more joy with holiday cards, calendars, and photo gifts from Vistaprint. And now you can get up to 50% off all holiday cards and calendars at Vistaprint.com. Discover cards in the latest trends or fill a calendar with your favorite photos. So make more merry at Vistaprint.com with up to 50% off all holiday cards and calendars, plus great deals on photo gifts. Just enter code HOLIDAY50 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, code HOLIDAY50. Message and data rates may apply. TNC and privacy terms can be found at bevel.com slash terms. Please don't text and drive. Have you wanted to speak a new language, but you thought it'd be too hard or take too much time? Then try Babbel for free by texting WORLD to 64000. In just 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. And right now, you can try Babbel for free. Babbel starts out teaching you words and phrases by matching them with pictures. You won't believe how easy the interactive program is. Soon the sentences get a little bigger, and before you know it, you're having simulated conversations voiced by native speakers. And because Babbel is crafted by language experts and uses the spaced repetition method, in just 10 to 15 minutes a day, you'll be speaking the language of your choice with real confidence. With Babbel, you can speak a language. Just text WORLD to 64000 and start your first lesson in the language of your choice for free. Download the Babbel app or text WORLD to 64000 and try it for free. Text W-O-R-L-D to 64000. As a business owner, your daily focus is on increasing sales, decreasing expenses, and maximizing profit. And while you may have insurance for your business, you may not know if the coverage is adequate or if you're paying too much. With Dexter and Company Insurance, they'd like to help you out. Since 1876, Dexter and Company has been serving the business, home, and auto insurance needs of Texans for a reason. They provide the most comprehensive insurance coverage at the best price. For a quote on your insurance, call 764-8444 or click DexterCompany.com and see what Dexter and Company can do for you.
Gabe Bach with you. It is the Tex-Ags Maroon and White Report on the CRM Sports Network. And it's time to go to the phone line and go in the trenches with former Auburn center and one of the top analysts on the SEC Network, Cole Kublik, with us. Talking Aggie football and jumping around the SEC a little bit. Start with A&M and a rough way to end the regular season with a 50-7 to loss to LSU that could have been much worse had the Tigers wanted it to be. What did you see from the Aggies and what did you see from the Tigers in that one-sided affair in Baton Rouge? I saw a motivated LSU team. I saw an LSU team looking to prove a point, especially on defense. And I, you didn't see a lot different offensively. That's kind of what they've been. Uh, you know, there were there were some some tight end insert plays in the run game that they got away from. Went a little bit more zone scheme in the run game, but uh, Joe Burrow and and what he's capable of doing using Clyde Edwards Hilaire out of the backfield at crucial times. Uh, I think kept that A and M defense off balance, but. You know, it's, it was just an impressive performance. I was a little bit surprised that, that Kellen couldn't get a little bit more going, but like I said, that, that, that LSU defense, the front, you know, Tyler Shelvin and Apuica just seemed to be on a mission to make life difficult for the Texas A&M offensive line. Yeah. And once they had that thing disrupted, there just was no consistency to be found for the Aggies. You still feel like after a loss like that, it caused you to kind of second guess some stuff. But you know, do you still feel like the Aggies are emerging, or do you think they're maybe a little further away than you thought they'd be after two years? No, I, th- I think things are still trending up. You just you ran into a buzzsaw. Yeah. I, that LSU team was motivated from last year. That LSU team's motivated that they're not number one in the country. That LSU team's motivated that people are questioning their defense. They're just there, there are a lot of things about that group right now that they are sort of looking to be able to prove people wrong on. And mm-hmm. I think A&M just kind of caught them at, the, at an inopportune time. And they're, they're on a mission. Listen, you're, you're in Death Valley at night on senior day. I mean, that's just playing for a spot in the national championship game or the college football playoff. With, you know, go, knowing you're going to Atlanta to play for the SEC title, it's just it's, it's a tough spot to be in. We've, we, hit, we spent most of our number one talking about the biggest questions regarding A&M. The, the questions that maybe we don't have an answer to right now, but they've got to get answered within the program if A&M's going to go from, you know, they're in this seven to eight win range six years in a row in the regular season, which is pretty good. But pretty good's not really what A&M's interested in, nor are their fans or their head coach. So what is, in your opinion, Cole, the number one thing or question regarding this program in the offseason that need to come up answer, and it needs to be answered positively if a and going to go from good to great in 2020? It's offensive line play. Yeah. That's it. They've yep. got to be better up front on offense. You've got a quarterback that I think can surpass what he's been already. You have a talented group of receivers. You've got some good backs. They just need you got great tight ends. They need to find a way to consistently open some things up to make life easier on everybody else involved in that offense. And it starts up front. And with that offense, the way it's run, the scheme that they're going to be in, Gabe, the offensive line is going to be of importance. And go back and look at, at some of Jimbo's teams when he was at LSU, when he was at Florida State, some of the better teams that he had. They had NFL offensive linemen. They could open up holes and they could dominate in the run game because that is what set everything else up for that offense. So to me, that's the position that has to improve, that has to be different if Texas A&M is going to take the next step. Speaking of LSU here before we change directions, Coach O, you know, New Year's Bowl, uh, New Year's Six Bowl last year, won that game. Virtual lock for the college football playoff already, win or lose this weekend probably. Do we start looking at this guy as a, a top 10 coach in college football? Boy, I tell you, if he can, if he can follow this one up, with one from next year, then very possible. Uh, I, I don't know if I would put him in the top 10 right now, but he's got to be knocking on the door yep. and he's got to be close. And I think if he can, if he can find a way to, cause let's keep in mind, he won 10 games last year. And mm-hmm. if he can find a way to follow this year up next year with another similar season to the last two, then I think, yeah, we're having that discussion of maybe maybe even higher than top 10. Yeah, exactly, especially if both Joes leave and he still follows it up with a great season. You're looking at it. He's got a heck of a job ahead of him probably entering this offseason, but he's still got some work ahead. He's probably in line to potentially win this national championship, and then I think a lot of people will be putting him in there. Cole Kublik with us here, 12th Man Technology Hotline. Auburn gets two pick sixes, score 48 on Bama. 
I mean, Cole, you got to go back to Saban, to Drew Brees against Michigan State the last time Saban's allowed 48. A lot of that were the pick sixes, but what an iron bowl on the Plains on Saturday. Just a remarkable game. So yeah. many big plays. And when you and I talked about this game last week, I kind of I told you that I, that I was taking Auburn to win the game, but I said nothing would really surprise me. And I thought it could go really any different direction as far as how the game played out. Well, I don't think I thought it could go this direction. With I mean, Auburn was the only SEC team without a defensive touchdown heading into the weekend. They get two in that game. Mm. Anders Carlson was 5 of 11 at home going into that game. He's now the only kicker in college football to kick four field goals from 40 yards or more out in the same game. Wow. Um, I mean, Joseph Bovis is the only kicker in the SEC to miss two kicks from under 30 yards in the same game this season. So the amount of banana things that happened <laughs> in that game, uh, the Jalen Waddle kickoff return, it was, just, it, it, was, it was a remarkable back-and-forth competitive football game. Um, obviously, Auburn being at home helped. Alabama being beat up helped, but you give Gus Malzahn credit uh, for being able to get his field goal unit on the field, taking advantage of technology at the end of the half, and then obviously having a play call that you've been sitting on for the entire season and given the opportunity in the perfect time, in the perfect game, to be able to pull it out and secure that win. Mm -hmm. Just an excellent job by he and his staff. Incredible job. Now, uh, for the first time in the six-year college football playoff era, Bama's not going to be a part of it, which I think is really good for college football. But the the locks for the New Year Six right now, LSU and Georgia, both gunning for the playoff. Uh, of the of the remaining three SEC teams looking at that New Year Six, how would you rank these three teams in terms of likelihood to get into the New Year Six Bowl? Auburn, Alabama, and Florida. Rank them on likelihood to, to have their name called on Sunday in the New Year Six. Oh, man. You know, I've been debating this back and forth of Alabama-Auburn, who should be ranked higher. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if Florida shouldn't be ranked ahead of both of them. Um, I think the difference between the three would be Auburn's win over Oregon. Uh, You know, Auburn goes down to Gainesville and loses. They're going to be number, what, six, seven, eight tonight. Uh, LSU is going to be one or two tonight. They lose at LSU, and then they lose to number four probably tonight at home in a rivalry game. You know, Florida's resume is just as impressive from the loss department when you're talking about going to number one or two and losing a competitive game and then having to play number four at a neutral site and losing a game that maybe wasn't as competitive as the scoreboard showed. But I don't know if I don't know if I mean Alabama loses at number one or number two, and then they lose at number probably I don't know ten nine. So <clears throat> that, that, there's nothing to be ashamed of there. But Alabama's best win is Tennessee right now. Think about that. Yeah, Let that crazy. sink in for a minute. Alabama's That's best wild. win on the season is Tennessee. So, and I don't think Florida has a a great win this year. So. I would probably say I'd put Auburn ahead of both of them just because of the Oregon game. And Oregon's a team that's going to be playing in their conference title game. you got you got a couple 500 teams there that Auburn's played. Kent State's 500, Tulane's 500. So uh, Sanford's a game below 500. Even some of the lower-tier teams on Auburn's schedule have had pretty good seasons. Yeah, I would go Florida ahead of Auburn because they beat them and have one fewer loss. And then I'd put Auburn ahead of Alabama, even though one, uh, one, worse, uh, you know, one fewer win – then Alabama beat them and just have a way better resume. And a, what, what would Auburn do on Alabama's schedule? You know, they have one or two losses. They wouldn't have three losses for sure. No, I think, I mean, I think the LSU loss is the only one they drop, uh, you know, yeah. if they're playing that schedule. Yeah, so, 100%. It's crazy to think about. All right, Franks or Jake Bentley, who will be the most coveted free agent on the market this offseason, Cole? Um... It's tough for me to say because I I feel like Jake Bentley's mind is made up, so I don't even know if he's going to go through the recruiting process. Um, I'm worried about Felipe Franks in that this whole or test the NFL waters thing that that concerns me. <laughs> that that that, con- on, that concerns me about what he thinks of himself, and that concerns me about what he might demand from a potential landing spot in college. 
both of those things worry me a little bit about maybe where he ends up playing his his next football. So I don't know if he would get drafted, honestly, Gabe, right now. He's got a great no. skill set. He's super talented. But, if, I mean, I, I don't think – I think the kid that came out of Buffalo, Tyree Jackson, last year is more talented than Felipe Frank. And he didn't get drafted. And he went out to – San Diego and worked with Jordan Palmer to get ready for the draft, and you know he's going to be playing in the XFL. So, another year of college football to show that Felipe Franks could be more accurate, could be better in the intermediate passing game, I think would go a long way for him. Thanks to Cole Kublik, we'll have Aaron Torres join us, and we'll stay on the phone lines next with Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio. Great friend of the program, always kind enough to join us talking college football. We mix in a lot of hoops during the spring as well, but it's all college football next with Aaron Torres on the Tex-Ags Maroon and White Report, CRM Sports Network. Welcome back. Gabe Bach with you. It's the Tex-Ags Maroon and White Report on the CRM Sports Network. And time to go around college football and get an in-depth look at the college football playoff and the fight for the number four spot. If chalk holds on championship weekend, what does that look like? We go out to the phone line with our man Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio and the ever-popular Aaron Torres podcast. So what's your number one question with this team, Aaron? As you look at it where it is right now, another seven-win regular season here, they say, all right, what, this is the question they've got to answer in order to get this program from good to great. You know, it's a question that I, I really asked all season long, and, uh, you know, maybe you have some insight that I don't. Um, the thing that always stood out to me all season long when I watched Texas A&M was a lack of explosive plays. Um, you know, those big 20, 20, you know, this is the world we live in now. This is, listen, LSU's doing it. Even Michigan, as much as they struggled, they, they were, you know, big plays against everybody but Ohio State. Um, and you just never saw it all season long from Texas A&M. Yep. Was it the offensive line, uh, you know, not opening big enough holes in the running game where the play-action passing game wasn't as effective? Is it the, the skill position guys? You know, my, my, my hunch is just it, it starts up front and it, it works backward from there. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's what always stood out with A&M. I think outside of this last Saturday, uh, you know, against LSU, they mostly played pretty good defense. I guess you could include the Alabama game as well. But I, I think the defense is fine. I, I, like, it could be improved. Obviously, you need to be better against the elite program, the, the, the two of the four elite programs that you played this year. But I, I just keep going back to... If you can't, you got to keep the defense off balance and you got to be able, it's just the world that we live in, Gabe, nine to six. It just doesn't exist anymore. Not saying that that's necessarily as bad as it got for the Ags, but you got to be able to pick up those big chunk plays. That's why I think LSU is going to Atlanta this weekend. I wholeheartedly agree. And even great coaches have to sort of rethink what they do a lot of times, right? And, and I don't know what Jimbo's going to do. And it probably is a matter of, okay, I got real juice coming in and recruiting, and that's a huge part of it. Got to get faster and got to get a a lot more speed on the field and quickness and athleticism on the field. And even up in the offensive line, they got to get quicker, more athletic in the offensive line. They just get beat too much, just straight up beat too much. I think you're right there. Uh, But a lot of guys, Saban had to adjust what he's doing offensively to the changing times of football. Ed O had to do the exact same thing. Look where that's got him. And Jimbo's got a great scheme. There's no doubt about it. It's very complex, though, so maybe it'll stick in year three wholeheartedly with a senior quarterback, mm-hmm. and maybe he also goes back to the drawing board and tweaks a few things to maybe uh, get it rolling, unhinge it a little bit. This is all, you know, kind of what my thought process was when I answered the last question, Gabe, yep. is that, you know, the sport has evolved, the sport has changed, and I'm not claiming to, to understand all the nuance of what Jimbo's trying to do every Saturday on the field, but it's just the one thing that really does stand out. And like you said, listen, you know, Nick, Nick Saban kind of had a, a, you know, a, a moment of clarity in his career where he said, 
This has to change. I can't keep doing it like this. Jim Harbaugh, again, listen, I know it's easy to be critical of the guy on Saturday, but, you know, this was an offense that was averaging over 40 points in the four games before Ohio State, including a couple good teams, Notre Dame, et cetera. And so, uh, you know, I I don't have all the answers, but, again, it it is something where this is just the way that the game is played right now, and you can either – you know, sit back and complain and, you know, want it to go back to the way it was, or you can move this thing forward. I mentioned that Orgeron, obviously, as well. You mentioned that Orgeron. So it's going to be fascinating. Um, I know it's frustrating after a game like Saturday. I, I would flip it on the flip side, too, and say, listen, you were right in that game two weeks ago against Georgia. So mm-hmm. I know it's easy on a, a week like this uh, with a month left before you're going to play again to be frustrated. But there were positive signs, too, throughout the season. Aaron Torres with us here, 12th Man Technology Hotline. Um, so LSU and Georgia, locks for the New Year's Six. LSU, do you feel like the Tigers right now with their resume and undefeated are in no matter what happens, no matter how it looks, even if they lose the game, even if for some reason, I don't expect this at all, but it looks ugly. Do you feel like the Tigers are the team that's locked themselves in no matter what happens this weekend? Yeah, you got to feel good if you're LSU. I mean, obviously, look, the win over Alabama still holds weight even after Saturday. Uh, a win over Florida looks great. Auburn looks better than maybe it even did a week ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're in no doubt. Um, what I'll be interested to kind of see is, you know, really they seem to have put together the defensive side of the ball the last couple weeks. And, and I don't know, I, I understand one of those games was against Arkansas, so... I don't want to give them too much credit there, but you know, you come off the, the Bama game and then the 600 plus yards against Ole Miss, and uh, you know, it, it was one of those deals where I kind of sat back and I said, you know, this offense is fun, but is this defense going to allow them to compete with Ohio State and Clemson for a national championship? So, still stuff to work on. Obviously, they're going to Atlanta to win that game and to to make their best case to be the number one overall seed in this tournament when it starts here in a couple weeks. But, yeah, I think they're in no matter what. All right, credit to you. You picked the Utes to reach the CFP uh, during the preseason. They're sitting in a really good spot heading into championship week, I think. If Chalk holds, do you think it's going to go like this? You know, the two and the three will be LSU, Clemson, Ohio State number one, and Utah will get that four spot. Do you think that's going to be the case if Chalk holds this weekend? It's a great question. You know, my, my I guess, uh, I don't know if concern is the right word, but I do think, like, name brand recognition is a factor in this. And I think if Oklahoma goes to Jerry World and they just, you know, they put a real hurting on Baylor, and I don't think they will, but I think if they do, I do think we could have a, uh, you know, Ohio State 2014 kind of deal where, mm-hmm. You know, we sit there and say, wow, they look a lot different than they than we thought. You know, I, I think Utah has proven as of right now, today, whatever it is, December 3rd, that they are deserving of that fourth spot. But Oklahoma, look, a convincing win on the road, Stillwater, rivalry. I do worry if it's, you know, 49-6. to six. And again, I don't think it will be that Utah could get jumped. But, yeah, I think Utah's got to feel like they're in a really good position. But I'll also give Kyle Whittingham credit for this. I don't know how closely you watched their game the other day, but uh, after that Colorado game, um, you know, the sideline reporters are pressing him. I think it was Molly McGrath. You know, give us your argument for number four. Give us your argument for number four. And he's like, dude, we got to beat Utah. we got to beat Oregon first. And so – I think they realize that the toughest game on their schedule is still ahead of them. But yes, I do think that if they if they beat Oregon and Oklahoma isn't absolutely dominating, then yes, I do think Utah is going to make the college football playoff. Well, this weekend, I think we can all agree the best matchup is Utah-Oregon. We can all agree the most one-sided affair is probably going to be Clemson-Virginia. Who's the most uh, likely underdog to win the game? Georgia against LSU, Wisconsin against Ohio State, or Baylor against OU, in your opinion? I do think it's Baylor. I mean, listen, they're 11-1 right now. And, oh, by the way, they were winning whatever it was, 28-3. I know, fill in your own own 28-3 jokes there. But, like, yeah, they, they had Oklahoma on the ropes at home. Uh, they fell apart down the stretch, big plays. Um, you know, I, I can't remember all the details from the game now, but I just, they were in complete control of that game. 
Our thanks to Aaron Torres. We'll look, run down the schedule on championship weekend in college football as we close out the Texags Maroon and White Report next on the CRM Sports Network. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. <gasps> now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief on symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Well, look who's home. How was your day, hon? Uh, you know, stressful, exhausting. Lay down on me and we'll talk about it. Oh, purple mattress. You know how to support me. Hey, I'm just a mattress doing my job. You're more than that. You're a purple mattress. Who cares about a bed with numbers when I have your purple grid to comfort my body's pressure points? And forget memory foam. Your non-toxic, hyper-elastic polymer minimizes heat, keeping me cool and comfortable the whole night through. If you're happy, I'm happy. But you do have up to 100 days to return me for a full refund. And give up the best night's sleep I've had since I learned to walk? No way. You're the only one I want to come home to. Purple Mattress. You two can come home to a Purple Mattress by texting OFFER to 84888. And now for a limited time, receive a free Purple product with your order. When you text OFFER to 84888, that's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Please do not text and drive. See purple.com for terms and conditions. From ooh to aww, whatever reaction you're looking for this holiday, spread more joy with holiday cards, calendars, and photo gifts from Vistaprint. And now you can get up to 50% off all holiday cards and calendars at Vistaprint.com. Discover cards in the latest trends or fill a calendar with your favorite photos. So make more merry at Vistaprint.com with up to 50% off all holiday cards and calendars, plus great deals on photo gifts. Just enter code HOLIDAY50 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, code HOLIDAY50. All across Texas and beyond, people are buying from Tom Light Chevrolet. Why? Because we constantly challenge ourselves to give you unrivaled savings. With the most competitive internet pricing available, there's no need to drive all over the map for the best closeout deals of the year. Tom Light Chevrolet has the largest selection of Silverados, Cruises, Corvettes, and Camaros in the Brazos Valley. You want more for your trade? Come in and get a free cash offer on your old car with no obligation to buy. Tom White Chevrolet is your official Auto Trader trade-in marketplace dealership. Feel free to walk away with cash or use it as a down payment on your new Chevy. Because we know that when you see these amazing closeout prices, you'll never want to shop anywhere else. That's why since 1972, all roads lead to Tom Light Chevrolet. Come and see our team at North Earl Rudder Freeway in Bryant or shop us online all the time at TomLight.com. Chevy, find new roads. Welcome back. Gabe Bach with you. It's the final segment of the Tex-Ags Maroon and White Report, CRM Sports Network. Let's run down the schedule on championship weekend in college football and some outstanding matchups. We'll start in the SEC. Number four, Georgia at 11-1, 7-1 in the league against number seven, LSU. 12-0, a perfect season for the Tigers. They're playing as well as anybody. 8-0 in the SEC. It's a 3 o'clock game in Atlanta on CBS, and the LSU Tigers are favored by 7.5. Game number two out of the Big 12. Number seven, Baylor, 11-1, 8-1 in the Big 12 against number six, Oklahoma. Baylor trying to avenge that come-from-ahead loss with a 23-6 lead. Oklahoma stormed right back and, and won that game in Waco. The Sooners are 11-1. Their only blemish on the year at 8-1 in the Big 12 is a trip to Kansas State. This is an 11 o'clock game on Saturday on ABC. The Sooners are favored by 8.5 in that ballgame. Number 23, Virginia, 9-3 and and 6-2 and in the ACC against number 3, Clemson, who's rolling everybody of late, 12-0, 8-0 in the ACC, a 6-30 night game in Charlotte at 6-30 Central Time, 7-30 local time over there on the East Coast on ABC. Clemson favored by more than four touchdowns in this game, 28.5 points. Number one, Ohio State, 12-0, 9-0 in the Big Ten against number eight, Wisconsin at 10-2, 7-2 in the Big Ten. This is another night game, 7 o'clock, Indianapolis on Fox. The Buckeyes favored by 16.5. On Friday night, the Pac-12 championship, number five, Utah, who's probably got an inside track to get that fourth spot if chalk holds. 
And if Georgia loses to LSU and Ohio State beats Oregon, it's fifth-ranked Utes at 11-1, 8-1 in the Pac-12. Their only loss was a trip to USC earlier in the season against the number 13 Ducks of Oregon, 10-2, 8-1 in the Pac-12. That's Friday night, 7 o'clock Central Time in Santa Clara on ABC. About a touchdown favorite for Utah in this game, six and a half points. And then what a weird game. Cincinnati, number 20 in the country, 10 and 2 in the a- overall, 7 and 1 in the AAC, the American Conference, at number 17, Memphis, 11 and 1, 7 and 1 in the AAC. What's weird about this game is that Clemson, or is that Cincinnati just last week went to Memphis and lost by 10 points. And that rendered this a rematch this week. One week later, Cincinnati returns to the same venue and faces Memphis yet again. And Memphis has to validate their dominant performance against Cincinnati last week and do it again with the Cotton Bowl on the line. They got to go win it again a second time and beat them for eight quarters, not four. There's something wrong with this, but that's just the way it goes. 2.30, Liberty Bowl Stadium, ABC, Memphis favored by nine and a half. They won just last week in the same stadium by 10 points. Now, as we close it out, this is going to be the first year that Alabama in the playoff era, in the six-year playoff era that Alabama is not a part of it. And I think that's really good for college football. Get some new blood in there. Maybe Utah mixes in. Nobody around here wants to see Baylor. Get Utah maybe mixed into that thing. Definitely uh, with LSU. You don't like that either as an Aggie fan. But I think overall, good for college football. That new teams are are making waves and making a a statement. Now, you still got to go through some blue bloods if you're going to win the national championship as well. But it's going to be fun to watch. I don't believe Bama's chances are very good to make a New Year's sixth berth. They're ranked behind LSU, Georgia, Florida, and Auburn fifth in their own league. So I think you're looking at Alabama probably going to a Citrus Bowl and not making the group of New Year's Six. Championship weekend is going to be a lot of fun. I think Utah-Oregon is the best matchup. The most one-sided matchup is Clemson and Virginia. And the underdog most likely to win, frankly, is the Baylor Bears. They were dominating Oklahoma in the first half of that game in Waco just a few weeks back. Baylor's got a great chance to beat OU. They really do. Well, next week we'll break down the Aggies Bowl situation, which will be announced on Sunday. We'll also look back in depth the college football playoff field that will be announced on Sunday and championship week and look ahead to all the New Year's Six games and the college football playoff coming up at the tail end of December. Hope you've enjoyed the program. Big thanks to Olin Buchanan, Cole Kublik, Aaron Torres, and our producer Dalton Hughes. You've been listening to the Tex-Ags Maroon and White Report on the CRM Sports Network. I'm Gabe Bob.